my name is Eric Phillips. Welcome to another episode of the PS Plus, a Living Faith Bible Institute podcast that serves as a companion to another called The Postscript. If you haven't already, check out The Postscript. Pastor and host Brandon Briscoe speaks with other pastors and professors from the Living Faith Bible Institute on a wide array of topics. Now, in our last meeting, we continued the topic of how to pray and looked at a portion of scripture in Psalm 34. We learned that thankfulness in prayer is critical to the heart of the believer and essential to our lives during times of struggle. This week, we're going to shift gears and answer the question, how long will it take for me to get victory over my struggles? Now, we need to begin with the understanding that we are present tense victorious in Christ. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you present tense have the victory. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Romans 8.37. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now, sometimes we forget that, don't we? We start to feel stuck and we can forget that we're more than conquerors. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. But thanks be the God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So we should be able to see from these verses that we are victorious in Christ. Now, the problem is that sometimes our experience doesn't line up with what the Bible says is true of us. And so the struggles with the flesh and sin can cause us to wonder, you know, how long will I have to wrestle with this? So now in in looking at that question, the first key principle that we need to consider in terms of answering it is that number one, the believer is in a lifelong battle with sin. Now, I believe it was Dr. Alan Shelby, pastor, that said sinless perfection is not possible, but perfecting warfare is. That means you are going to have struggles, but God will use those struggles to teach you to make war with your flesh and to battle sin. So to put it another way, if you're not fighting your flesh, then it's either because you are dead or you've given into it. One of the most detrimental mindsets today is the idea that we're not in a spiritual warfare. And Christians can kind of go along and, and, and take their ease and, and just ignore the reality that the Bible says that we are in a spiritual warfare. And that warfare is happening 24-7. So you're in a spiritual warfare And that warfare is lifelong. Therefore, you will be battling sin in your flesh for your entire life. But now here's a passage that should encourage you. And this is a passage that I've often gone to in times of struggle. 2 Samuel 3.1. Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David, but David waxed stronger and stronger and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. So God used that war to strengthen David, and hopefully you can see that. And God can do that with you and with me as we wrestle and struggle. And it's not that God wants us to sin, but rather that he uses struggles to make us stronger and to teach us to lean on him. 
So the first principle is that you're in a lifelong battle with sin. Now, the second principle in answering the question of how long will I wrestle with this sin or, or, or re- struggle uh, is that number two, and write this down, it takes time to replace areas of struggle with holiness. I'm going to say that again. It takes time to replace areas of struggle with holiness. So sometimes it takes a long time. But the key is that those areas of wickedness must be replaced with Christ likeness. Now, perhaps you know the story in the Old Testament of how God commanded the children of Israel to possess the promised land. In order to do that, they had to drive out the inhabitants of the land and destroy them. Look at that command over in Numbers chapter 33, because it's going to help us to understand this concept of replacement. Numbers chapter 33, verses 52 and 53 says, Then ye shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you, and destroy all their pictures, and destroy all their molten images, and quite pluck down all their high places. And ye shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell therein, for I have given you the land to possess it. Right. So this is God giving the command that they're going to drive out the inhabitants of the land. Now, what's interesting about this command is what God had already told them about this process of driving out these inhabitants. So go over to Exodus chapter 23 and let's read that. Exodus chapter 23, verses 28 through 30. I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite and the Hittite from before thee. I will not drive them out from before thee in one year lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. By little and little, I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. So God tells them that he's not going to drive them out in an instant, but that the process would be gradual because they needed to grow to be able to occupy the land. In other words, they needed to be able to replace the inhabitants of that land. Otherwise, they'd be overrun by the beasts of the field. Now, compare that concept to Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45. Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be unto this wicked generation. Now what you see in this passage is a picture of self-reformation and the uselessness of it. Just doing all the things necessary to rid yourself of some uncleanness only to have something worse come along and take its place. So get this down. So often we fixate on simply the need to stop doing some bad thing, and we really never figure out what God is calling us to replace it with. Something's got to replace it. God is not interested in you stopping something bad only to have it replaced with something that's even worse and more wicked. So part of what's going to determine how long you wrestle with something is the length of time it takes you to learn to replace it with godliness. Now, to be clear, this doesn't give you a license to keep on sinning, but just know that you need to engage in making war with your flesh 
and battling sin, knowing that some battles are hard fought. And like the house of David fighting against the house of Saul, some battles take a long time. So let's recap. The truth is that we're engaged in a lifelong battle as soldiers, and we therefore must remain engaged in the battle and not grow weary in well-doing. Some battles take a long time. In many cases, we must learn to replace old ways with new ways, and that process of replacement of thinking and acting can take years in some cases. But you have the assurance that God is with you and will strengthen you to battle and conquer the enemy. So I'm going to leave you with Joshua chapter 17, verses 16 through 18. Joshua chapter 17, verse 16. And the children of Joseph said, the hill is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites that dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron, both they who are of Bashan and her towns and they who are of the valley of Jezreel. Verse 17. And Joshua spake unto the house of Joseph, even to Ephraim and to Manasseh, saying, Thou art a great people and hast great power. Thou shalt not have one lot only. And so Joshua responds to them. They're, they're talking about their, their fear and their concern of these Canaanites because they, these Canaanites have chariots of iron. Uh, and Joshua reminds them of who they are. He tells them they're a great people and they have great power. And believer, I want you to remember who you are in Christ and that you have access to resurrection power. And then look at what Joshua says to them in verse 18. He says, but the mountain shall be thine, for it is a wood and thou shalt cut it down and the outgoings of it shall be thine. For thou shalt drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots, and though they be strong. Joshua chapter 17, verse 18. But the mountain shall be thine, for it is a wood, and thou shalt cut it down, and the outgoings of it shall be thine. For thou shalt drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots, and though they be strong. So Joshua acknowledges that the enemy is strong, but encourages them that they will prevail. And that's what I want to leave you with. I want you to be encouraged that God is with you and will strengthen you to fight the battle he's called you to and that you can live victoriously through Christ. That's it for now. Tune in next time when we will discuss the hindrances to the battle against our flesh and sin. Until then, take care. Take care.